0: You are listening to What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Welcome back to yet another episode of What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Today we will be reviewing Silent Night, Bloody Night from 1972. And we will also be reviewing 13 Slays till Chris Xmas from 2020. So since it's my turn to go first, we'll go with Silent Night, Bloody Night from 72. So this movie starts out on Christmas Eve in 1950 where a Willard Butler dies in a burning accident outside his mansion in Massachusetts. The residence is bequeathed or given away to his grandson, Jeffrey. Twenty years later in 1970, a lawyer arrives in the town on Christmas Eve with his assistant and mistress, Ildred. Having been charged by Jeffrey to sell the house, the lawyer meets with the town's leading citizens, the mayor, the sheriff, the this mute guy named Charlie, who owns the local newspaper, and Tess, who operates the town's telephone switchboard back when those things were still a thing. They all agree to buy the house on the behalf of the town's people for 50000 which Jeffrey requires to be paid in cash the next day. Carter... You know, the lawyer Carter and his mistress Ingrid spend the night in the mansion and are brutally murdered in bed with an axe by someone you can't see, which is a whole theme in the whole movie but or at least till the end. After the murders, the killer places a crucifix in the mistress's hand and proceeds to phone the sheriff, introducing himself as the house's owner and asking him to investigate the uh, lawyer's disappearance while talking with Tess, who forwards his call. The killer calls himself by a woman's name. At night, Jeffrey arrives to the mansion to meet Carter, but finds it locked and empty. He drives to the mayor's home, where he meets Diane, the mayor's daughter. The mayor has gone to the county bank to get the $50,000, so she redirects Jeffrey to the sheriff's office. The sheriff heads to the mansion, but first stops at withered butler's disturbed gravesite where he ends up being beaten to death with a shovel failing to locate the sheriff jeffrey returns to the mayor's home where diane tells him she has received phone calls for her father from someone calling themselves marianne who beckons her to the mansion puzzled by strange events jeffrey and diane decide to drive to the mansion but stop after they f- find the sheriff's abandoned car. The two stop by the newspaper office where they meet Charlie, who informs them Tess has gone to the mansion. Jeffrey and Charlie go after her while Diane researches the butler's history in the archives, or at least the house. Diane manages to piece together the story of the butler family. In 1930, Willard's wife died of a disease and. 33 his 15 year old daughter marianne was raped and got pregnant the son she gives birth to is jeffrey who was sent away to california in 35 wilford converted his mansion into a mental hospital and had his daughter committed the rest of the story hasn't really been talked about i guess Tess arrives at the mansion and finds the sheriff's car still running outside in the foyer she is greeted by the unseen killer who bludgeons her to death with a candlestick jeffrey meanwhile arrives at tesha's house and finds it empty after which he returns to, to diane at the newspaper office diane tells jeffrey that based on her research his mother did not die during birth like he thought jeffrey and diane depart together to the mansion en route they pass charlie's car which had been set on fire. Moments later, Charlie throws himself at Jeff's car, and Jeffrey runs over him, killing him. Examining the body, Jeffrey realizes someone has cut Charlie's hands off. At the mansion, Jeffrey finds his grandfather's diary in the foyer, which reveals he was the one who got Marianne pregnant. The diary recounts how how Wilford grew hostile towards the hospital staff so on Christmas Eve 1935 he freed the hospital's patients causing a massacre that resulted in Marianne's death as well. He then ended up faking his death in 1950 and has been living anonymously in a nearby mental hospital ever since before escaping. Jeffrey tells Diane that his grandfather slash father is still alive and that the sheriff tests charlie and the mayor were all former inmates of the mental institution and killed marion as revenge against Wilfred. the mayor arrives at the mansion armed with a rifle and he and jeffrey open fire killing each other the killer reveals himself to be the elderly Wilfred. butler finally appears and diane grabs jeffrey's gun and sh- shoots him dead A year later, Diane takes one last look at the butler mansion before it is destroyed by a bulldozer crew. And yeah, that's the end of the movie. Um, When it comes to Rotten Tomato and everything, I couldn't find. They pretty much gave it a zero, I guess, with an audience score of 29. So I guess they didn't really like it, but Google, they gave it an 88. Um, I couldn't find a box office score anywhere, but I did see that they made this movie with 2,000 and $94,000 or $294,000 I mean but uh yeah. when it comes to my personal thoughts on this one well this movie is a classic so I can see why Google users gave it an 88 has what you expect from an early 70s horror film not much blood zero gore to our standards at least when it comes to the whole story I liked it even though I would change some things a little bit I mean all the weird shading of how they turned it into like almost a black and white type of situation but it wasn't black and white exactly it was like a weird brownish color to everybody's skin color and then everything else was black but just i hated that part (laughs) it just made it stupid i guess uh when it comes with the ending the plot twist to find out that all the crazies that escaped from the house after killing everyone was the people that were trying to sell the or buy the house from jeffrey also finding out that wilfred butler was still alive and that he faked his death and was the one behind doing all the killings i mean that threw me off i i legit thought it would have been like the jeffrey character he just looked like it i mean it could have even been that mute old man you never know they could have spawned that shit on us but uh when it comes to my rating though i gave this movie a 3.5 score rating how about you there, Tim?
1: Yeah, the plot and storyline were quite interesting, actually. Kind of twisted all over the place. I really did enjoy the plot and the story. It kept me going. Didn't get bored through the movie. It was always something going on. Once this killing started happening, it seemed like it really picked up pace. I like that when it comes toward the end, it feels like it's the momentum's building. But yeah, there's lack of blood and gourd. A lot of it, everything that was done was done in the dark. The blood, it did show, looked like wax when it did the close-up. It looked that waxy, like, off-color thing that drives us nuts. We've talked about this before. So that does knock it down a little bit. But it was definitely a watchable movie, and I did enjoy watching it. So, yeah, I went three and a half skull rating as well because it was, although we were lacking the blood and gore, it had a plot. It was watchable. I'd watch it again, possibly, in the future. So, yeah, three and a half skull rating.
0: Uh, last thing, and it's going to be a funny thing that I can complain about. I seriously thought I was going to see that fucking hot chick mistress's titties in that fucking scene because she was getting naked. And then, poof, you see that fucking old guy that she's fucking. It's like, that's not what I wanted to fucking see. I wanted to see her tits. I wanted to see a
1: bush, at least. Anything. But no. Yeah, you had the one woman there. You could see her nipples through her shirt. I thought for sure that was going to wind up being a topless scene at some point. Nope. I was like, nope. Lando lost out on that, too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's another mm-hmm. reason why I gave this fucking thing a 3.5 score rating. So, with that being said, I think that'll be it for this one. So, we will go on to Tim's movie right after this. Well, now we will go on to Tim's movie, which again is 13 Slays Till Christmas. Take it away, Tim.
1: Yeah, it, um, there's uh. A surprise like movie trailer thing at the beginning it looks kind of interesting and it's weird and i thought this was actually the movie somehow it was kind of weird why is it jumping all over the place turns out it was a fake movie trailer for some christmas uh like film but it was like a it was a was a horror film like christmas film it was just kind of interesting that that's how they intro this so uh yeah it was just this weird thing and then um it's it was short titled like a family and stars both uh, Struble and Capps. Lauren Argo as is uh, on screen talent, working effects, and it hauntedly eerie. Except it wasn't really anything. It had nothing to do with anything. And then there's a news report going on all of a sudden with uh, about some Christmas killings and stuff like that going on in the on this TV, and it kind of zooms out to this bar room with uh, a bunch of people that uh, a, a whole array of different type of people. You have a priest you have a um a teacher you have a cop and they don't all get along by the way and then um there's a there's also someone in a wheelchair and all these people are gathered around and drinking at this bar with this lady at the bar they all come in and the santa guy santa claus comes in too, one of the mall santa type thing he comes in and he's um oh well, Let's just say they're all, the couple of them get a little lewd with the bartender. Who's not taking any shit, by the way? I kind of love this bartender. So, yeah. And then they decide to start telling, like, uh, Christmas horror stories. Apparently, they all got some kind of email invite to this thing to come there. And they all seemed to kind of know each other somehow, but didn't like each other, which was interesting. But yet, they got some kind of invite. And it wasn't the bartender, which a couple of them did seem to think it was her at first. Well, they get there, so I start telling some stories, some Christmas stories. They're going to one up each other, and the winner of the competition, you know, doesn't have to pay his bar tab type thing. And the loser has to pay all the bar tabs. So um, then they uh, give me this, give you this, uh, the first of uh, thirteen stories becomes this one that's called "The Devil's Due," and uh, it's titled, and then it talks about this uh, father and daughter who are stricken with grief after the loss of their uh, of the family's wife and mother. And uh, he's really, you know, that starts off, she's just sitting in her room, you know, and she's just kind of sad. And they talk it over and everything's looking okay. And he looks really kind of a little scared and nervous at the same time, as well as grief stricken. It's a little weird. So he goes into the kitchen and he, um, because they got in a car accident and that's how she passed away. So he goes into the kitchen and he starts to uh, cry a little bit and then his, and takes a drink, has a drink and he's, phone goes off it's his wife's number going off so he goes and he shuts it off shuts off his phone literally powers it down and then it rings again some guy answers who is this you know who this is it's a guy's voice and it shows the guy another end of the phone from the back you can't really tell who it is he goes we made a deal you've had extra time with your daughter so at this point you know this is kind of it feels a little bit supernatural you kind of get that feel it's time time to collect and he freaks out Start, and as the phone goes dead, he freaks out and starts running to the uh, daughter's bedroom. Goes in there, and he's already technically in the bedroom. His daughter's already talking to him, but it's not really him. And looking, and he, he as you go, he gets into the room. He sees uh, the other guy's fingers like go into the back of the, his daughter's skull, and just kind of like his eyes turn black, and he's like, you know, basically killing her or taking her soul, whatever. So it seems like uh, kind of he either made a deal with the devil or the demon, and that's it. It just ends, which, okay, if you didn't realize, and I didn't at the time, realize this is 13 stories and trying to figure out what's going on, it was a little weird. So it was interesting. So then it goes into the, gets back to the bar, and, and someone else, one of the other people, decides to tell their story. And that's what this, then you start to figure out what's going on. So they he tells the story, and as they tell the story, it fades into another um storyline and this one's called one more gift so it's a uh, it's kind of like uh there's this uh, woman and uh she's sitting in the house and she's decorating and the other woman another woman comes home and uh sees that she's decorating thanks her for it and then they start to kiss and stuff and you realize okay this is a couple that's being a couple, no big deal and then she notices that this elf thing is out that was apparently packed away because she thought it was possessed when she was a kid, she got it as a gift, and she's been terrified of this thing. So they wound up going up and going to bed. Well, the one that had the 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 one was sleeping sound, nice and sound. The other one I, I, um, obviously wasn't sleeping so well, and she heard noises up coming upstairs, like something new, climbing upstairs. She goes out and looks down the stairs, and sure enough, this elf doll thing has gotten bigger, like human size, and starts climbing up the stairs creepily. So she runs into the bedroom, wakes up the uh, the other the other woman and she shoves her out of bed like forcefully man this is kind of like i thought she might actually that might have been the killing like she accidentally killed her like really hard shoved her out of the bed i need some sleep and then she looks down at the bottom of the bed and the elf the the elf doll is like she literally full size behind the other girl and literally choking her out killing her yeah and kills her right in front of her so she starts screaming and of course obviously freaking out over it and then um the elf kind of turns its attention toward her, but at the same time, then it fades out to a police officer getting to the residence for a, for a noise disturbance call. Well, this neighborhood watch kind of supposedly, there's also a uh, peeping Tom in the area, which I kind of wonder is, is this neighborhood watch guy because he has a pair of binoculars on him. So he looks kind of like one of the type. Yeah. So he's out there and he, he, he goes, officer, do you want the keys? Because they give me the keys to take care of their pets and their plants. So he gives the officer the keys. The officer goes in. Here's the girl screaming upstairs, goes upstairs. He walks into the bedroom, and uh, there's a literally this little tiny doll on the woman's chest. That's it. Little tiny doll on the woman's chest. And she's flailing around like it's a full size. Now, if you walked into this, you would definitely think this person's nuts. Sees the dead uh, woman on the floor proceeds to talk her down and then stand her up and start to cuff her because this she's telling him what happened. And obviously he goes, yeah, sure, okay. And he starts locking her up because he thinks she's a nut job. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. Sure enough, this thing kills him. And then uh winds up killing the woman too. End of scene. It's literally this thing just this doll is possessed. It really did kill people. But then at the then very end you see the original girl that was scared of the doll as a doll but uh, well with all the like makeup and stuff that this uh christmas doll had this creepy like voodoo looking christmas doll thing had like elf i guess elf technically she was dressed up as it like and then made weird gestures like she wasn't really her anymore but yet had the body of the girl it was really kind of messed up interesting Thus far, we haven't gotten into anything super gory. Although the, the the gunshot thing, they were getting shot. There was a little bit of blood there, blood splatter and stuff. But nothing really seriously major at this point. Okay, so they go back and they're doing the holiday shenanigans thing, and they're doing they're talking. And yes, of course, the have the police officer and the um, the teacher really do not see eye to eye. They argue back and forth, get a little heated at this point, and uh, the police officer gets ready to get up, but the bartender. Tells him get out, go outside, or deal with it. One or the other. Basically, leave at this point. So he sits back down. The police officer does, and they just someone else tells the story. This one's called "It's a Wonderful Death," and this one here. Uh, plot follows a divorced dad about to take his own life with a stocking. It's just really funny because you walk, you see this guy. Gonna, I'm wondering if the stocking would really work, but it's you know it's kind of interesting. He's got this stocking wrapped around his neck. All of a sudden, this uh, person just walks into his house knocks first but he did he tells him to go away and then he comes in walks into the room and starts talking to him tell him he knows him he's been around he says what are you my angel because he says he's been watching him taking care of him he goes something like that and then uh back and forth back and forth you realize he's more like you know a fallen angel type person so he goes and he goes kind of like this is this is that whole like past, present, future, Christmas story type thing. But he goes into the past, shows him what it was like with him living with his wife and kid and how they were happy together and everything. Because why would you show me this? So, you know, something's weird there. Then he goes right into, no pause here, just goes right into showing the next scene, which is present with his, the mother of his child, um, with some guy telling her that she needs to like leave him alone. But she says she still, still will always love him. It's just, he needs help and he it is his kid she will always care so uh and the guy's like kind of pissy about it and kind of telling me you know you just leave him alone he'll deal with it whatever which obviously is present so he's about to kill himself then it goes into the future the future shows that same guy shooting her and killing her and her kid because of whatever him being around caused it all the distress or whatever it doesn't really go into the detail but you just see him killing him and he it says it is because of you so do it he literally goes from walking in and stopping him from killing himself to egging him on to killing himself so he kills himself then there's a delivery <laughs> a delivery note <laughs> opens up and it says it was from his his wife ex whatever you want to call her the baby his baby mama and uh it says uh Yes, I I really wanted to see you this Christmas. You can can you come over? We your daughter would like to see you and all this. And it's, it's this really nice letter. Like she wants to wants him in her life, but he's already dead. So it's like yeah, this this sucks. Once again, not a lot of gore. You just see his legs hanging. You don't see any snapping. Here's snap. You don't see anything. Not a big deal, but yeah, kind of a depressing holiday right there. So uh, goes back to the bar again. Some more arguing. And they start going back and forth at this point in time with, uh, you know, all your stories. That well, was okay, but, you know, I got a better one. You know, the typical bar humor. A little bit more of that really bad back and forth between everything. At this point, the priest stops him. And somehow he interjects, like, not in a priestly way, but almost like with this authority-like way. Like, you'd expect him to be the cop at this point, which was really kind of a little bit, like I said, a lot of these things are Easter eggs for later. So, uh, yeah, then there's, uh, they go to talk about another story. Oh, yeah. Um, This one's the Santa guy talks about it. So it starts off here, and um, you see some some guy breaking into a house. And he walks by the knife and stuff. He's walking in there very gently. He walks over to another guy who has a cast on his arm, helping him in through the window. Why they didn't both come in through the same door, I have no idea. Seems like a really terrible way to try and break into a house. Why wouldn't they both either come through the window or the door <laughs> they knew the guy wasn't home whatever so this is a um, apparently a mall Santa type person so it makes sense that Santa Claus is the one telling the story Santa Claus Mall Santa guy but he um he goes in there and he go he the guy apparently owed the other guy like a like four grand or something like that or seven grand four or seven grand something like that it owed him a bunch of money and this is and he otherwise he's gonna break his other arm so apparently that's how the guy's arm broken that's why it's in the cast excuse me so he goes in there and then he goes but this guy has like nothing he's like a mall stand how much can you actually make oh it's not about that he goes goes check and see what the gifts are under the tree so he looks underneath the tree and stuff he goes is a and he tells him a backstory too about the fact that previous year this guy lost his uh his wife and daughter to a uh a car accident bad car accident ran him over killed him so he's like there's a present under here from his daughter I mean, he obviously was so stricken of grief he couldn't even bring himself to open it. So this guy is feeling horrible. He goes, and the other guy doesn't give him much of a choice. And he's just, no, he's he's a real asshole. So then he goes, this guy, you know, we're not going to steal anything from here. How am I going to pay you back this way? Because we're not here to steal anything. That's not the main reason we're here. This guy, I'm the one that killed his wife and daughter. And he doesn't remember because of the trauma. I'm afraid Christmas season might bring back the memories. So we're going to, end this we're gonna get rid of him today you don't we don't have to worry about it so i don't have to worry about it anymore because it's it's really causing him grief to think that he might get caught for killing people with vehicular manslaughter because he ran away because he is drunk let's see when the cops came he was trying he said he's trying to help him but he ran away when the the cops came so this other guy's not really having it but he doesn't really have a choice i mean obviously this guy is going to probably kill him as well if he doesn't go along so sure enough he comes home, finds the um the gift from his daughter. A little out of skew, but he's drunk. Mouse Santa guy's drunk. I, I mean, stricken with grief. Lost his kid and wife a year ago. Stumbles over to the chair after he picks this up off the floor. Starts to open it. Looks over. Sees the guy with a cast behind the tree. Looks really confused. And then the other guy chokes him with garland. Okay, at this point... Straight up, normal, right? This is not that weird. I mean, it sucks, but it's not weird. Kills him. The thing drops on the floor. So they're talking about it afterwards, and they're really going to make it, what they're going to do is make it look like a robbery by stealing some of the stuff. And he's going to get what he can out of it, too, as well as while he's there. Why not? And then you see the garland they choked him with start to snake around and come to life. Okay, this is where things get freaking weird. (laughs) It literally grabs him around the neck. Grabs the, the main guy around the neck, the real jerk, uh, the one that killed him. Grabs him around the neck and starts to choke him out. The other guy runs in the kitchen where he sees the cleaver that you saw the guy walk through by the first time on the counter. Comes in, tries to cut the garland. Wow, this guy is not good at what he does. He literally chops into the guy's shoulder, neck area, like just outside the neck, straight down. He ch- cuts the garland on it, stops the choking, but... He literally hurts the guy pretty damn good. It's like, it's okay, this worked out well. Because he almost ran away. That's when he when he went out the kitchen. He almost ran away and then came back. I don't know why he came back. If he's I mean, maybe in case this guy survived. So he comes back in, does that. Then the garland grabs his his non-casted arm, because he actually swung that this uh cleaver with the uh casted arm, grabs his non-casted arm and starts pulling him. Well, the other guy starts pulling the cleavered arm, and drops the cleaver, but Holds the cleaver arm and uh, and tries to pull him back. They're like playing tug of war. with This guy and it's like it breaks the guy's other arm, snaps it where it's a compound fracture. This is the first actual blood and gore thing you see. It's in the dark, so it's not really great. This isn't something spectacular. Okay, so he's tearing them apart. Then it he he manages to get free of this thing for a minute. You think? Nope it it, it kill it kills him too. Then grabs the it, the garland. Grabs it. This is. The garland grabs the cleaver and does in the other guy. (laughs) Now you just see the blood splatter again. You see the cleaver coming down toward him. And then you see blood splatter on the window. So you don't really see what happens. Then the uh, present drops the rest of the way and unravels a little bit more. And then the garland opens up the present the rest of the way. And it's a greatest dad ever little like figurine thing. Picks it up and puts it next to the picture of the wife and the kid. And sets it on the, the mantle. Like, this is probably the spirit of the child or the wife type thing that somehow brought this garland to life. And that's the end of that scene. Yes, this is a lot of little scenes. This is like telling like 15 stories. Most people don't want to go through this, but we will. We'll make it through this. So they go back to it. You know, that's that's the um, mall Santa guy's, the drunk mall Santa guy's story, which ironically is about drunk mall Santa gets killed. I see the irony in that. And then uh, those... uh. Oh, yeah. The next one is um, a father comes in and tells his kid to stop playing a video game. Kid, kid kind of refuses and is going to play it anyway. And, he, and his father unplugs the video game, shuts it off, whatever, and tells the kid he needs to go to bed. Well, the kid says, no, I'm not going to bed yet. Whatever. He argues with him. He goes, then he tells him a story about Kringle's the Christmas Clown. When Santa was made, he put all the good parts into Santa and everything that was left, all the evil bits, went into Kringle's the Christmas clown, and he's only, yeah. And uh, all the, no, that's the wrong one. Kringle's the Christmas clown. That's right. There's another story about a clown. Sorry. No, this Kringle's the Christmas clown. He does tell him a story about it. I got the two mixed up. The uh, He tells him a story about it. He, if he's a bad kid, he'll come and he'll kill the parents and take the kid away to make all the toys that uh, the kid wanted, all the ki- toys the kid wanted for the rest of his life. He's just going to be making toys for other kids. He, basically, he's going to become slave labor. And the parents are killed, so the kid doesn't believe this. Obviously, he keeps saying, "Is this real? Is this real?" And he goes, "No." Well, I, the so the kid winds up getting on his uh, tablet, whatever he's playing, playing on that, looking at stuff. Then he hears a um, a Christmas ornament fall on the floor. He picks it up, turns his head back. There's an evil clown next to him, staring right at his face, saying, "You have you been naughty?" <laughs> it's like, holy shit! He throw he he obviously throws the, the christmas bulb drops it whatever and in the process his dad hears him comes in tells him i can't believe you, are you why are you doing this you can't do this go to sleep and he sees the thing on the floor and and tells his son "It uh you know, it was just a story he hurt it isn't real because this kid's freaking out saying the clown's real because it isn't real is a story i was told when i was a kid so he goes and picks up this uh ornament where the clown shows up kills him guess what Puts the kid in a bag and takes off. <laughs> End of the scene. So yeah, don't piss off Kringles the Christmas clown. Because obviously, if you're a bad kid, you're gonna go and uh be slave labor for the rest of your life after your parents are killed. Back to the bar. From the director, uh Drew Maverick on this one. It does give no I have some notes also about the others. But this is uh this one's titled Santa Claus with claws, not C-L-A-W. So the shorts, uh the antagonist is alongside a talented Sophie, the bearded, and now this little girl is in the room, just kind of relaxing. She's writing a note to Santa, saying that she wants a cell phone. She's been fairly good this year. She's she's tried her best and been a fairly good kid this year. She she hasn't been that naughty. Her brother comes in, a bearded dragon, torments her because apparently she's scared of lizards. Torments her with a bearded dragon, and then uh, tells her the story of the this the evil Christmas. This is similar to the other story. There's an evil Christmas, um, a San- evil Santa that's made because of the bits, bad bits, and the good bits of Santa. They're separated, creates the evil bits. And he comes only, he only can be summoned by playing Christmas music backwards. Sure enough, she's got Christmas music on a record player. Guess what this brilliant kid does? Because he's telling her it doesn't really exist at first, and then starts playing it backwards. Sure enough, this evil Santa shows up. Pins him to the wall with this, like, candy cane painted sword thing. She's hiding under her blanket, freaking out. Comes out of her blanket, sees her brother, you know, stuck to a wall, still with this candy cane sword through him. Sees a present on the bed, opens it up, she got her cell phone. Proceeds to call a friend on the cell phone, which I'm interested in how she even had the number. Call a friend on the cell phone and tell her, oh yeah, I got the phone, blah, blah, blah. While her brother is twitching still slightly on the wall, with a candy cane through sword through his heart pinning him to the wall. I got to seriously wonder about the mental capacity of this little girl who's playing on her phone and talking. Uh, I think she's on a naughty net list next year automatically in my opinion. Interesting story though. That one there was uh from the from, that one is the one told by the teacher. So go back to the bar again. This is when they get into a real almost fight between the uh, the the teacher gives really gives uh the cops Grief again. It seems to be them two that get along the least. The others are kind of like middle of the road. They kind of pick back and forth. And they like to pick on the mouse Santa sp- for being stupid, not very bright, and being an alcoholic. But the real beef is between the uh, teacher and the kind of preppy, like middle school te- teacher and the police officer. So the next one is a uh a woman stumbles upon a uh creepy doll while grabbing Christmas decorations out of storage. Wait yeah, the uh that already happened oh no 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 the next one is uh when they go into this okay so it's weird the um there's this guy just sitting in his cabin just sitting there rocking back and forth and just generally looks like a you know this loner guy out in the middle of the woods just in a cabin or whatever he has a knock on the door panicking knock he slowly walks over you almost think he's not gonna answer the door but he does he opens the door in rush two guys uh, both of them armed one of them has a wound denzar the other one is a royal asshole, threatens to kill the guy for just asking too many questions and not locking the door quick enough. Apparently, the the one that was wounded tells the story about the fact that they were, while well, the other one's checking up, a noise that they heard upstairs after threatening the uh, the guy from the cabin a few times. And he tells the story of uh, they were going caribou hunting, even though it's illegal, you know, to make some extra cash. It didn't sound like a bad idea. And then they come across these two really huge monstrous uh this huge monstrous thing just not too. just huge monstrous thing doesn't really describe what it is and then the uh guy from the cabin and proceeds to tell him and calls him by his name and he goes wait a minute how do you know my name he goes you still have time you haven't been a bad you haven't been that bad you can still leave here and be okay and then he goes what about what's his name upstairs he goes and he goes he's already he's already made what what's done is done can't save him So he runs upstairs and sees a bloody, creepy reindeer thing tearing his friend apart, eating his entrails. Runs downstairs, goes to run out the door, gets stabbed by the antlers of another bloody reindeer. While he's laying on the floor, dying, the guy takes off his hat. He's an elf that is tasked to take care of the naughty. It is his job. Not everybody can stay at the North Pole. So he goes and uh, does him one last mercy thing and kills him so he doesn't have to suffer. This one... Pretty damn good and bloody, actually. There's a little bit of blood here. There's a few a few of these have a little bit of blood. And then during this time there's during this time, there's a uh a woman that comes into the bar and sits there with a bowling ball bag as well. And it uh she's sitting in there and they're um talking and stuff and they're like trying to figure everything out. Anyhow, she comes in, she walks over to, uh, she they ask about her telling her story. Well, she tells a story that unfortunately they don't like. Because it's a story of how they killed a killed a teenage girl. They killed this teenage girl and the one and the it was actually the priest who killed her sacrificially. They stole her off the side of the street in a van all together, stole a girl, killed her, tied her up to a tree, and then killed her. And then she realized that he they realized that how would she know? And apparently she was it was her kid. So she comes in there and she she like literally like goes through them and there's here's where the blood and guts work. It's everywhere. She shoots them, she cuts them, she does everything, mutilates them all. Slowly but surely gets to every single one of them except for the priest is last. Uh, the priest is uh, like, well, you can't get all of us. We're not all here. One of us is untouchable. She tosses in the bowling bag after unzipping it. Sure enough, the head of the other guy is already in the bag, so apparently she killed him too. Then she proceeds to kill the priest. So talks to the bartender afterwards, says this is this will explain it all because they videotaped it set the video camera on the, the counter and walked away. And you could tell that she was creeped out by what she saw. She They saw her. She, she obviously saw them do the murder of the poor woman's daughter. So vengeance was served here. All the gun all those kind of an interesting way to get to the fact that this is all vengeance with all these other weird stories The supposedly, by the way, every one of these stories was supposed to be true stories is what they were supposed to be telling true Christmas horror stories. So be interesting But that being said before i get into anything else Lando, do you have anything on this
0: oh not really i mean when you go to rotten tomato they didn't give it anything by them or their audience um i didn't see anything on google either box office nothing all it had for information was the budget of ten thousand dollars for this fucking movie but uh when it comes to my overall thoughts i wasn't too sure about this one because of the fact that it's a movie with stories which we have done this in the past with tales from the crypt i mean it did the same thing in that movie so now when it comes to the blood and gore i'll give it a b plus on the blood but a c minus on the gore i've seen better and we've reviewed better than that stories themselves were pretty good my favorite one was the radio dj thinking that he was Getting his time slot taken over by somebody else and after killing the DJ who he couldn't even remember the name of. Turns out it was all a fake story and that everybody was giving him a surprise birthday party. And then the saddest one was when the girl thought it was her dad on her birthday but he ends up, that thing ends up killing her. And then of course he's got like blackened eyes and everything in the end. Like those two, the other one was just way too sadder mean, killed right before your birthday. Gotta suck. The only thing I truly am wondering is, why did the guy who scared the Christmas sweater guy have hard nipples? I can't be the only one that noticed that. And yes, I looked at another man's nipples. Shut up. Anyways, um, my favorite part of the whole movie was, of course, the ending with this random chick that shows up in the bar and starts killing everybody one by one. And then you end up finding out that they're all killers. They've all helped kill people. So, yeah, I mean, it was a good movie. And with that being said, I gave this one a rating of 3.8 skulls. What about you there, Tim?
1: Yeah, I did leave out the two stories. I forgot about the one that, um, trying to rush it and make time. The, uh, one you said. And there was also the other, there was one other one too. The, um, uh, but they were s- smaller stories. Like they're short. There was no real plot to them. But that one guy, yeah, it was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah he walks in and it's a per- it's a party they've been playing a prank on him it's like I just killed somebody right in front of them all <laughs> one guy actually blows the whistle thing anyway the kazoo <laughs> it's like dude yeah yeah. that was interesting Um. yeah I actually this was like I agree with your ratings like a B plus on blood and like a C minus on gore at least they had it though Um. I, d- I did notice the nipples I don't know why I didn't notice that I was trying not to but <laughs> yeah but yeah they um didn't get to see any titties in this one either although i thought the lesbian scene thing was gonna it got close you saw nipples through the shirts i mean they yeah <laughs> but and um, shirts yeah yeah but anyhow yeah it was a i i three point i i try to keep them even so i want four skulls but it's a soft four like a three and a half to four it's slightly inter- more interesting than the other one as far as the blood and gore part i think the other had blood and gore more and it wasn't you got to also remember the other one was a 1972 movie versus this one being a 2020 movie. So maybe it might be closer to about even. Yep. So yeah, that's what I had for this one uh, for skull. Cause it was decent. Yeah. But
0: anyways, I think that'll be it for this episode. So as always, if you have any suggestions, you can always email us at what at gmail.com or hit us up on our Twitter account. That's what in all one word. We also have our discord. Join us up. But anyways, I've been Lando.
1: And I've been Tim.
0: And we are the fuck out of here. You were listening to What
1: in the Whore. See you next time.
0: Ha 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 ha.